Welcome to another episode of Ghibli Jabber. I'm Nick and I'm here with Trevor. On a regular episode of Ghibli Jabber, we discuss one of the works of Japanese film studio Studio Ghibli through the eyes of a fan, that's me, and a newbie, that's Trevor. But today we're doing something a little different. As we did for Studio Ghibli's 1980s output, we're going to look back and evaluate the movies that the studio put out in the 1990s now that we've gone through them all. We'll also provide our super duper definitive rankings of all the 13 movies that we've discussed so far. So this will be a fairly sort of informal episode. We'll just go through each of the seven uh, movies that were released in the 90s, give a little bit of our thoughts, and then after that we'll do all of our rankings of all the movies that we've watched from 13 to 1 just to see where we sit on things before we move to the noughties. So the first movie that we discussed was Isata Kahata's Only Yesterday from 1991, the second film of his um, after Grave of the Fireflies. And we both gave this an 8 out of 10, so I'd say we like this quite a bit. What, what were your thoughts when you first saw it? Yeah, I think this one is... Um, I did like this one. I thought this one was not as effective as Grave of the Fireflies, kind of like we discussed in that episode. Uh, but they're two very completely different films, so it was very. It's not fair of me to compare them that way. But since they were, you know, uh, of Takahata's body of work, and I was expecting something a little bit more along the lines of *Grave the Fireflies*, that which I don't know why I did expect that. I only had one data point to go off of, and and one data point does not make a trend. But I guess I expected it to be a little bit more like that. But the more only Yesterday is one of the films that I not only do we bring back up a lot when we talk about films uh, in these podcasts, but it's one that I go back and think about um, a lot more than most of the films. And so I think the fact that it's kind of like stuck with me shows it's, I, I think impact is a big word, but it's impact on me. Like it's stuck with me. So yeah. How about you? No, I really like this one. It is it is a bit of a slow burn. It's not a lot really happens. Um, yeah, it's not a super eventful film. There's no real action to speak of. And even though it has the you know concept of working in two different times, it's not trying to paint some sort of grand narrative that connects the past and the present. It's sort of yeah, just it, it's almost picking two sort of random points in a person's life and just letting them play out without any sort of real dramatic arc that feels forced or anything like that. Um, I think it's a really lovely movie. And I mean, I suppose in the scheme of watching this series, it's sort of the first movie, even though Grave of the Fireflies is very much a realistic movie set, you know, during a real time at a real event. I think this, this movie sort of showed that Studio Ghibli could make movies that very much didn't need to be animated. And this, you know, this could have been, mm-hmm. as we would have discussed on the episode, very much easily shot as, a, you know, on film for not, with, without a huge budget. It's mostly set in like fields and a family home. But it showed that it was willing to produce narratives that didn't have any sort of visual grandeur, mm-hmm. but it was it still wanted to tell very human stories rather than just, sort of fun fantasies with like fantastical elements to it. And I, I think that this sort of set the bar high for that sort of film um, that Studio Ghibli also 
also does do apart from the sort of fantasy that sort of Miyazaki started the studio with. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that that was important what you pointed out is I, I think I even made the comment of like, I guess I found myself during the film wanting it to be live action because I wanted yeah. to be able to see, I don't know, the, in the main character's growth, uh, growth and it's like a, through a lot of her uh, reactions to things. And I think that the medium kind of failed to capture some, I don't know, the the effect and the impact of things, like even just through her acting. But again, this is one that I keep going back to, and I would probably rate it a little bit higher retrospectively now. Oh, I'm curious to see where it ends up in your ranking. Yeah, no, I really love this. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, at the time, I, I wanted to give it more than the eight that I gave it. But I, I did feel that like there were just a few niggling things um, that kept me from loving it. I think I, I didn't really love the ending. It seemed a little bit too tidy. I thought the voiceover was a little bit too much. And opposite to you, I gravitated more towards the younger self. Um, and I think you wanted more from the adult self because I felt like the adult self was sort of just, she wasn't really doing all that much. And obviously that took place in a very short amount of time, whereas she could go back to the past and, you know, pick out all the interesting bits of her childhood. Um, And I sort of maybe wanted like a little bit more to happen with her character there. But I mean, at the same time, I really enjoyed the, like I said before, it wasn't sort of a, any sort of forced grand narrative was just sort of like a couple of weeks with this girl in the country and she's thinking about her life and it's really lovely. And it's, and like it touches on a lot of, deep and important things, um, even though it's done in quite sort of a simple and sort of gentle way. But no, I think we, we both quite like this. And it was a good way to sort of start the 90s, which was a very, like, as we'll, as we'll see, we go through this, it was very sort of up and down and all over the place. It tried a lot of things versus the 80s, yeah. which was um, mostly those studio, well, mostly those Miyazaki fantasy films. So we... Mm-hmm you had maybe a little bit more of a sense of what you were going to get um, with the eighties. And then now we've gone to the nineties and it's sort of like, Oh, this is, Oh, this is um, speaking of let's get to our second movie of the seven from the nineties, Porco Rosso. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts on this? I mean, initially, I mean, I gave it a 5.5. So it clearly yeah. wasn't one of my favorites. It just wasn't a film that kind of like stuck with me. And to be honest, like if I, when we go back through the re-rankings, this one kind of has gone down for me. Um, it's not one that I think about a lot. Actually, I haven't thought about it once since I've seen it. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. Um, I just remember certain aspects of it. Like it just felt like it was going all over the place. There wasn't really like set. I don't know, like what were, what they were supposed to do, but it did have one of my favorite shots of any studio of Ghibli film that we've seen, and that was the shot with him flying up and seeing all the the other fighters. That shot is absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, this one doesn't doesn't stick with me. And I know that you enjoyed this one more. I think there was like more of a nostalgic factor to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I I probably downgraded this like um even as we're watching it for the first time i i know i recognize that there's there's really not that much to it um as you're saying it's it's sort of a series of set pieces um 
with without a real sort of you know there's no there's no character arc mm-hmm. for any of the characters really it's just um yeah it's just like a bunch of sort of fun action sequences really and i really i enjoy it for what it is it's um yeah sort of like a you know throwback you know wartime adventure movie and i really enjoy it and like it's just like sort of the tone and the vibes of it is really fun sort of you know it's that very beautiful european setting it looks gorgeous there's the sort of you know beautiful hotel on the water and you know gina singing in french and it's just got that like nice vibe <laughs> it's sort of you know you know get a glass of red wine and sort of like watch it at night and it's just like oh it sort of takes you away a little bit for 90 minutes i think people people like this movie because it's sort of seen as a bit of a maybe like an underdog or an underappreciated movie in sort of the Miyazaki canon, just because it is so slight and it's not really spoken about as much, but it still has a lot of sort of fun qualities. Like it's, people don't talk about it the same way they talk about Totoro or Spirited Away or Mononoke and probably for good reason. But I think because people don't talk about it so much, it's not like a, you know, two hour epic that people sort of champion it as like a, you know, a bit of a fun nineties, uh, 90 minute sort of like action comedy adventure um, that sort of just, you know, takes you away for a little bit. And I, I appreciate those things about it as well. But if I'm sort of objectively rating it, it's not an amazing movie. And, you know, like we discussed, it, it came from the idea of being a short film for, or not, maybe not even a short film, but a film for um, like Japan Airlines or something. And then it was extended a little bit. Yeah. To become- so, it, and it definitely has that vibe of, a concept that maybe stretched beyond stretched beyond what it was sort of going to be, and, and without really fleshing out the characters, um, also you know giving it a little bit more. I mean, as I said, like the plot is basically he loses a battle, has to fix his plane, and then has another battle, and then it ends. Like that's, that's kind so of, um, and yeah, that could have been a fun like twenty thirty minute film, but yeah, it does feel. <laughs> But yeah, I still love it. And like, and as you said, I really, that is one of my favorite scenes, sequences in a Ghibli movie when he's thinking back of the time during the war when he passed out, maybe, but imagined all of his um, fallen soldiers going off to heaven, sort of, or whatever that represents. Um, Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And there's lots of beautiful elements in it. It's not, it's not a badly, visually designed um, movie Um, you know it's a pig flying around you know it's fun it's like a silly fun thing Um, a gangster pig that we never understand why he's a pig you don't understand (laughs) it and that's like part of its charm and part of its frustrating so I agree let's let's move on to your favorite film uh, The Ocean Ways (laughs) what what are your thoughts I think you've said a lot um, but I, I want to hear it again. I'm certain you do. I'm certain you love to hear me just complain. Um, yeah, this is. I have a lot. I have a lot of passion towards this film because I think it's so terrible. But I will say that I'm really happy that it was never um, in the theaters, <laughs> like one that we're going to get to later. Um, no, <clears throat> end all be all. Just like not a good movie, and I'm glad that like. It just makes me happy that Takahata or Miyazaki didn't make this movie or else I would look at them in such a different way. So I'm really happy that they didn't. 
and that I can kind of separate it in that way. And I can separate it because it's a TV film, but Ocean Waves is truly terrible. I would rather watch uh, 50 episodes of some terrible teen drama like Degrassi over watching the Ocean Waves ever again. There's like no development. All the characters do are yell, is yell at each other. There's not a single likable character in that film. Nothing important happens. Yeah. Didn't like it. Hated it. How about you? <laughs> I just love how much, how passionate you are because it's a film that sort of doesn't deserve any real passionate response one way or another. <laughs> it's just like a... A neutral film. It just sort of sits there and does a bunch of things and then it's over. Like, <clears throat> you know, the animation is not spectacular at all. The characters are not interesting. The The script doesn't try anything exciting. The, you know, the design is very basic. Like, it's just meh. But, you know, it's a young director and probably a small budget, but still it's not that exciting. You don't want to know why I, it gives me so much passion, though, is it's because it's an animated film. So I know that people put so much time into mm. this film, so much time and effort. And so I think about, like, the amount of effort that went into making a film. And if it's like a stupid, terrible, like, you know, I mean, we went to Sundance, you see terrible Sundance films all the time. And I'm like, okay, these people probably spent a few months of their life. Shooting was probably 20 days. And then they took a couple months for post-production. But when it comes to an animated film, most people are dedicating multiple years. If I mean, many, many, many months, if not multiple years to a project like this. And so when it comes out as much of a dud or as much of a flat or even, even more offensive is it comes out so boring and like, mm. it doesn't even deserve to exist. I'd rather watch a terrible film that tried to do something new than watch something that was doing something that we've seen a million times and then just be boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that is his biggest crime. It's if this was like, I've seen a lot of sort of batshit crazy anime films mm-hmm. and they have value on that level. Exactly. Um, and they, you know, they use the animated medium in an interesting way, throwing random things on the screen. Like they're weird and random. The characters are at, like, you know, feel animated. But this one in trying to be sort of very true to life, you know, a very sort of only yesterday light kind of movie, it's just completely failed. Okay, let this be the very last time we ever speak about The Ocean Waves <laughs> and move on to a film that I think does what I was just saying and yes. uses the animated medium in an interesting way and throws everything on the screen. Uh, Issa Takahata's third film, very different from Only Yesterday and Grave of the Fireflies, um, Fireflies, Pompoko. What, what were your thoughts when you first saw this? Yeah, I think that... <clears throat> Kind of what you just said. It's very, very different from his last two films. And so it's made me like, I don't know what to expect from Takahata. Um, I guess when I see, when somebody comes out of the gate with something like Grave of the Fireflies, like I expect, oh, wow. Oh, I know, I know their type. I know their medium. I know um, their feel, their tone that they're going to set during a film. Um, and again, this one kind of turned it on its head. I think, uh, I, I thought that was a wonderful transition going from a film that was like the ocean waves, which made the mortal sin of being animated. That was incredibly boring to me to Pompoko, which um, I don't really care for the plot, the plot kind of messy and kind of not very linear or just not very cohesive, but the animation's crazy and it's fun. And I think it also has a good message at its heart. 
And so <clears throat> I never, ever found myself being bored. You couldn't be bored. Oh my gosh, you're being slammed in the face with just craziness, almost the entire film. Um, but again, like I said, I thought that it had, had some really big heart at the end and some important things to say about uh, or just or, or self-reflection in general. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably one of the films that, you know, raises a little bit, especially as I sort of compare from the other ones. Well, yeah, this was, this has always been one of my favorites. Um, I mean, if anything, yeah, it's, it's sin is that it's trying to do too many things and say too many things um, in one story. And it's, you know, it's like, it's like an eco drama. It's like, it's like a weird quirky comedy. It's, you know, there's so many different things happening, so many different stories being told at the same time. Um, yeah. And the plot is very dense. There's all the elements of sort of like Japanese folklore, as well as that being paired with a very sort of contemporary nine, like, you know, 20th century real life story of this city being built and um, the destruction of these homes. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a lot, but I mean, I always, I always love watching it. Cause I know, you know, you watch 15 minutes of this movie and it's like packed in as much as you would with the whole of the ocean waves, basically. Sorry. I said, we wouldn't talk about it again. Last time. <laughs> There's just so many things and like some parts work better than others. Like I said, I think it picks up speed maybe two thirds of the way through when they start working on um, Operation Spectre and that. And like I said, that's one of my favorite sequences in the Studio Ghibli canon as well. Just mm-hmm. that whole random sort of scaring of the citizens of the town by putting, turning into all these beautiful and weird Japanese folkloric characters. Um, and like, I was going to say it doesn't really, like it's kind of just there. I mean, it's part of the plot, but it's also, it's more than, it, it's longer than it needed to be just so that you can sort of soak up all of these amazing different sequences, uh, different designs and characters and things like that. And like at a certain point, he's just like, here, here's some more amazing fun things. And like most films don't take the time to do that. And like we said, especially in an animated movie where every frame is like, you know, another day for another person to have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And for the movies to just take the time in this very dense plot to just have this amazing sort of parade. It's, it's crazy. And you don't see many movies like this and like any movies that are like this at all. So I, I still love it, but I, I, it, it's a little bit too much. So I, I did um, dock at some points for that. <laughs> well, why don't we move on to Yoshifumi Kondo's only movie whisper of the heart. This was another one that I've always loved, but Again, it's quite different from Pom Poker. What, what were your thoughts watching this? Um, I will say that I can't stop listening to Country Road. <laughs> it didn't take me out of Country Road. <laughs> it's been added to my phone, and I've been listening to it a lot lately. Um, <laughs> that was still, I think, one of the most unexpected things was turning on a Studio Ghibli film and having freaking Take Me Home Country Roads blaring at the beginning. Sung by I'm listening to the John Denver one, but I do love right. the Olivia Newton John one. So good. Um, I listen to the Whisper of the Heart version as well. Add that to right? 
Yeah. I should. <clears throat> no, so yeah. I like this I like this movie probably about the exact same that I liked it when we first reviewed it, but I think that's because we haven't really been able to give it much time. I haven't distanced myself from the film as much as I have from the other ones earlier in the decade. Um, but this is just a film that's not too, other than the song choice, it's not too memorable for me. Like I can tell you the basic plot points or the beats, the plot and what, what happens throughout the film, but not a lot is sticking with me. It's kind of ethereal. It's kind of like withering away in my mind. Um, and I mean, I think we kind of touched on it in the episode. If we didn't, this is how I think about it now, but I'm just, the relationship between the two kids was just so, uh, like not, not real to me, and just like she's in junior high. Like I just keep going back to that, and I'm like, this just seems a little bit of a stretch for me to have a film. I know that we're not supposed to mention only the ocean waves, but <laughs> something where even that one, I I kind of understood more of their like desire for each other and kind of the love triangle that happens in that one. But this one, I'm just like, you're going into high school, but I, we've talked about that. I don't want to like beat that, you know, dead horse too much, but um, yeah, again, not the worst movie, not the best movie. Um, just kind of there for me. I am sad though, that Condo never did another film. Cause I think that could have been, I would have liked to have seen some growth. Mm, yeah absolutely it's very sad i mean yeah because this is still one of my favorites i think you again because of the different times in our lives when we watch these movies you you you're not really connecting so much to the teenage drama element of it and neither like i don't watch this and be like oh like i've never been someone who's like shipped characters and movies like I, i don't really care about that stuff like i would always watch shows and be like i don't care about you know like all the you know the boards online back in the day um you know <laughs> all the girls getting excited about you know you know buffy and angel or whatever and i'm just like I don't, that's the that's the least interesting part about that series um but i i can understand i i do feel like teenage love or whatever it is is the least sort of understandable type of thing you know it's it's you know if if you know if, if a, you know a boy or a girl says they like you you might just like that idea of being like you know or you have a crush that is based on some random thing i don't know I, I don't think we're really meant to want these characters to fall in love i think the most important thing is about um the main characters shizuki shizuku um her her growth as a person and her yeah. cho- sort of cho- choosing her path in life and the strength that she finds to decide to write this story and to choose a, choose a path that is not the traditional path um, and understand that she she doesn't necessarily have to do what everyone else says that she should do. But yeah, I mean, the things that I, I sort of, when I think of the movie, I don't really, yeah, I don't really think about the relationship. relationship. I think of, it's like I said, it has a very good sense of place. Like I, you know, I feel like I have a good sense of what this neighborhood is like. And I always enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I like sort of seeing sort of neighborhoods sort of visualized on film, you know, like, the sort of the houses on top of the hill and the city below and like all of the sort of hills that she walks up and down mm-hmm. the train that goes through the city, her sort of like city of apartments and things like that. And 
like the little parks nearby. Like I, I just love that sort of, that's what I think about. I think about sort of like the vibe that's created. And then on top of that, the beautiful animation around the uh, magical wor- worlds that she cr- creates. I think that's some of the more interesting animation that we see in these movies and it's so different and all those little beautiful touches. I'm like, I, I know you said you sort of liked the story of the Baron and how that played out. Yeah. Like the animation around that element of it as well as like, it, you know, it's, it's willingness to sort of just go off for a little bit to sort of a different story to a different animation style. Um, yeah. Like those things sort of all together um, are what I really like. So yeah, I still love this movie. Um, definitely more than you. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty par for the course for a lot of these. Um, uh, no lies. That's, that's par for the course for the, the 90s. We were pretty mm-hmm. dead on during the 80s, but the 90s have mm-hmm. not been my favorite decade. That's for sure. Out of the two. Well, the next movie we agreed on score-wise, um, Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke, one of the... Mm-hmm. Probably the most famous of the '90s movies. He did no, definitely the most. Famous. <clears throat> um, what what did you did you have any idea of what this was going to be going into it? And then having seen it, what what was your thoughts? No, yeah, I don't. Um, other than my neighbor Totoro, I had no idea what any of these films were about. Um, no, I had no idea of what this film was about. Um, I ex- I expected it was about a princess. Um, <laughs> and I'm still a little bit torn about uh, the princess aspect of the film, but we kind of touched on that in the podcast. But um, this one will stand with me for how gory it is. I know that mm. like, maybe that should be the most important thing that I take from this um, from this film, but it's like very gory and very <clears throat> dark. Not that they haven't been dark before, like the Studio Ghibli films. They've never you know, kind of been fearful of going to dark places, especially with Nausicaa and like Grave of Fireflies, very mm. realistic dark place. But, um, and even Pompoka, like there's some dark, dark things that happen now. They're like killing human beings. Um, but this one, like the gore just amped up to a, a 10 in terms of like what I'm expecting of, of like a family film. Um, and I also, this one was also one of the most beautiful films that we've seen. Um, especially the whole sequence with the, the, the god in the in the forest that whole mm. sequence is absolutely gorgeous but i also what will stick with me is um this kind of narrative this theme of like uh, evil kind of overtaking people and being like infected with evil and um that sits i was about to say that sits well with me no but i like i like i like that kind of narrative i guess mm. Um, especially for a, a journey and our hero's journey, if you will, when this film is very much so a hero's journey. Yeah. Uh, this It feels like, especially up to this point, I mean, maybe along with Brave of the Fireflies, it feels like a more adult Studio Ghibli film, not just in the sense that it's less afraid to have limbs flying off and to have all those gory moments, which again, I, which, which does make it more adult in some ways, but just the sort of the themes that it sort of looks at in detail and the sort of, and we discuss sort of there's a little bit more ambiguity to all the various characters and, you know, there's no real sort of, I mean, and this is true of a lot of Ghibli films, there's no sort of real villain. The hero 
is quite chaste, but then he sort of goes through a little bit of a journey at Princess Mononoke or San, if yeah, if she is Princess Mononoke, um, is not a traditional either like warrior or like damsel in distress. She's sort of this weird, crazy wolf girl who sort of doesn't do what we expect her to do at sort of any point in the narrative. Um, it just, yeah, it just feels like there's a lot, there's like a lot more going, going on. And even though Eboshi um, is sort of painted as a villain, she has a lot of positive attributes. And even though we're supposed to side with sort of sand and the wolves, the wolves is a quite sort of angry and violent towards the main character throughout the entire film, really. Like the, the, the main wolf ends with saying like, you know, you come back here and I'll kill you. I mean, he's sort of, as you know, as we discussed, he's kind of lost between these two worlds where no one is right and no one is wrong. And I kind of like how it kind of just leaves there, even though, you know, it ends on a positive note for the most part. He's still got his curse a little bit. I think you see, mm-hmm. like, it's not quite fully cured. He doesn't go off and live with Princess Monoke. He goes to live in the town where he's been battling this woman the whole time. Um, so he's like... No one is in like a perfect place at the end, even though it does feel um, positive, like the ending. But um, that's what I appreciate about it, that kind of like elevation of the sort of similar themes, which maybe had been discussed in Nausicaa, but to a sort of more interesting um, place. So why don't we end with the most complex and interesting film <laughs> of the 90s, Issa Takahata's fourth <laughs> film, My Neighbor the Yamadas, another favorite of yours. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Again, we haven't distanced ourselves enough away from this enough for me to feel like a retrospective is going to be all that very different from what I've said in the previous episode. But this was certainly not my favorite. I was so mad that this was a film, and I was even more <laughs> mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, offended for the people that spent money and went and saw this in the theaters. Like, Aww. I almost like I was just offended for them. Like, I wanted to like launch a petition for them to get their money back from going to the theaters to see that. Um, no, it's just it's funny too because this is what Takahata's fourth film, and it's it's he's gradually gotten worse for me, and I get. But I mean, I will say that at least he tries different things in all of his films. Hmm. Um, Absolutely. And none of his, all of his films feel very distinct and very different. This one has kind of that aspect of like, uh, not not that t- t- typical of the animation style, which only yesterday was not very, it was atypical as well. Um, but it was very, very good use of this atypical na- animation style in certain points to uh, harken back to memories and things that happened in the past, which I thought was very effective for only yesterday. This one just felt... No, no, not good. I don't think it felt <laughs> undone. It felt like storyboards for ideas. Um, but but we also touched on, it made me laugh in a few moments, which was a relief because if I didn't laugh at something, I was going to cut my wrists. Um, but oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm like being so exaggerated. But, um, and there were moments and beats that were very much like, Oh, I remember that in my life. Like that happened to me and, mm. um, or something similar. So I liked it for that, but it should have not been a film. It should have been like little five minute clips on YouTube or uh, Nickelodeon, something you put before a movie, shorts, anything. But yeah. 
Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I, this is not. I mean, this, I think this is definitely his his weakest film. Um, but I don't. I don't think it's supposed to be sort of anything more than it is. Really, I think it's like just like a sweet little series of fun sketches. And I still think it's. I know you weren't like that in love with the animation, but I think it's in it in that style. I think it's quite interestingly and well done. Obviously. I feel like it's still there's still a lot of time and effort put into the making of this movie, even though like especially to to make that style. So it's probably not easy to make it look so sketchy. Um, and yeah, I think I think I called it like a palate cleanser, like between you know like Mononoke and Spirited Away. And I still think it's like that. It's like it's a movie I want to watch when I just don't want to like think about anything too important. Just like watch a few little cute little clips you know, have a few laughs, shed a few tears, like not really, but, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's not much to this, but I still think it's, I, I still enjoy enjoy watching it. So that's all of the movies. Let us now then rank all of the Ghibli films that we've um, watched so far. So I'll start in 13th place. I had The Ocean Waves. What about you? Yep, we're dead on for 13th place. <laughs> what is your 12th place? My 12th place would be My Neighbors the Yamadas. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro. That's. I still in. Like, The Ocean Waves is the only, one, only film that we've watched so far that I'd be like. I don't need to watch that again. And I won't. I won't watch that again. Every other movie I. I like, I think is a, a good or great. So Lupin the third is sort of just at the bottom, just because it's not quite as finessed in terms of sort of the animation. Um, and it doesn't sort of carry those same sort of themes and interests that um, he develops afterwards. You can tell that he's just doing it based on another, another source. Anyway, um, what, so my, my 11th is my neighbor, the Yamadas. What yeah, we, we flipped. We, so my, okay. my 11th is, yeah, it's Lupin the Third. <laughs> yeah, so none of us love that movie. <laughs> you look back at it now and it's like, oh, that was, at least it was better. You thought that might have been the worst, but... <laughs> right? I did think it was going to be the worst. Um, my 10th is Porco Rosso. My 10th is also Porco Rosso. Oh, really? Look at that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> What is your ninth? My ninth, let me look at my list. My ninth would have to be the Whisper of the Heart. Ooh, not yeah. that. <laughs> not always, yeah, not a fan of Whisper of the Heart. Nah, I mean, actually, like, okay, like, it definitely sits up in the second tier in terms of our one to 10 rating. Those first uh four that I just mentioned were in my bottom tier of that rating scale, like a one to five. So we're, we've definitely popped up into like, oh, this is good territory for me. Like a movie I'd probably watch again someday. Okay. That, that's something. Um, <laughs> my ninth is My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I like it, but I just think it's a little bit slight. Ew. Ew. My... <laughs> my eighth would be uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Okay. Um, my eighth is Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. 
And yeah, that's one you like quite a bit. I'm sure we'll see that a bit further down your list. But my seventh is Kiki's Delivery Service. So we're pretty okay. close there. What's my seventh name? would be Pom Poco. Okay. Yeah, it's not, mm-hmm. not too bad. My, um, do you want me to do my sixth? Go ahead. My sixth would be Castle in the Sky. All right. I mean, yeah, definitely should be a lot higher, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, my sixth is Only Yesterday. Ooh. What's your my fifth? My fifth is Only Yesterday. Yeah, so we're pretty close on that. I feel like we pretty much agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine is Pompoko. Mm. My fourth is Princess Mononoke. Oh, my fourth is also Princess Mononoke. Really? Wow. Okay. Okay, interesting. Um, and my third is Whisper of the Heart, because I do still have a fondness for that one. You do. My Am I on my third? I'm on my third, yeah. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, I'm on my third. My third is uh, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, ah. which is interesting that like Nausicaa and Princess Mononoke are like so close because they're very similar films. They are. Um, what is your second? My second is My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, really? Because I was, I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm like, what else could, what have you missed? Yeah, oh, really? Pop, that, it that, popped up. That must have risen in your estimation a little bit. It has. I gave it initially, gave it an eight, but I would give it a nine now. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that you, you sort of re-fell for that movie. Not that you didn't like it in the first place. But yeah, so that was that was my number nine. Anyway, um, my, <laughs> my number two is Grave of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. which I assume your number one is? Grave of the Fireflies. That's right. I'm, I'm glad that we sit in the up there together with that one. What's your number one? Castle in the Sky. Love that movie. It's just such a fun, original action-adventure movie that, you know, doesn't really get made that much very often. It just has a lot of, it's just a sort of fun, nostalgic vibe. And it's one, like, like all these movies, there's like a lot happening, but it feels a little bit more like it has sort of a linear narrative that goes from A to B to C to D. Whereas yeah. a, lot, a lot of these are like A to B to C to B to A to, you know, like the kind of... <laughs> I mean, this one still does that, but it feels more like a traditional narrative story arc. Did you want to say anything more about Grave before? Like, why why, why was that number one for you? Um, I still think of Grave of the Fireflies. I think that that film, it, it, it's, I, oh gosh, I don't know. Like, I'm like fumbling over myself, but I just find it to be totally unexpected, which I love. It's, I still think, oh, that movie, I want to watch, I want to still show that movie to so many people. And it just made me cry my little eyes out. So it's impacted me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a pretty amazing movie. Uh, I just don't, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't like watching it as much as you. <laughs> oh, I don't think I would. I, well, I wanted it to comment because Castle in the Sky wasn't that high on my list, but you being in, so in love with it makes me want to rewatch it with with that in my mind. Cause you should. You should rewatch it. it. In English, just for like a different experience. Yeah, I should. Um, yeah. Great. We've made it through. There are our rankings from 13 to 1. Um, I'll chat to you next time when we discuss 2001's Spirited Away. A new decade. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.